podcast greater than yourself. Episode 8. That's right. Welcome to episode 8 of Podcast Greater Than Yourself. I'm John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And uh, this week we sat down with our lovely friend Liz from New Jersey. She runs Recovery Sister 164, a recovery meme page on Instagram. We had an awesome talk about steps 6 and 7. She is another person that I think of in Alcoholics Anonymous as just being just a wealth of knowledge. She is an AA history buff and travels around all the different spots and just has a real beautiful knowledge of the program and also just like really cares about it. And and I think that comes across really well in, in her talk. For sure. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let us know what you think. Uh, drop us an email at podcast greater than yourself at gmail.com. Also, uh, you know, look us up on Instagram. And I would say, even more importantly, pass us along in your home groups and shit to the people who are into this stuff. Yeah. And more, maybe more importantly, to the people who aren't into this stuff and fucking tell them about our podcast. So if you're enjoying the show, drop us a rating and uh, reviews really, really help drive this podcast to uh, other people to be able to see it. So uh, if you're enjoying it, please share and uh, enjoy the show. I try to share that experience quite often of the things that run through my head that are not what normies would think and why I have to tell them that I have all these shortcomings and defects, you know, I think just like you Mm -hmm. and normal people have these shortcomings and these defects too. However, I will like to rationalize and justify every now and then and be like, well, it's my alcoholism. And the truth is, is it's not my alcoholism. My alcoholism may intensify my defects, right? But everybody has character defects. The beauty is, is that in Alcoholics Anonymous, we get to work on them, right? Become more aware of them mm-hmm. so that I can ask God to remove them. But everybody has them. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the um, the secret of the ooze is that like we mm. we get to be faced with a self imposed crisis that brings us to the point where ego deflation is a viable option. Like so many other people who might be experiencing existential crises of one form or another depression or you know self-hate or whatever they may never have some sort of uh, external hellstorm of consequences that they've created that forces them to actually take action to overcome that stuff mm-hmm. and that's the gift of step one is that we are able to meet somebody who's recovered who can be like yeah that, that was my hellstorm too and uh Here's how you get out of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you can look at that stuff and be like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that's the the trap with the step six, step seven stuff that you hear in meetings so often is the thing exactly that you were touching on where it's like, oh, you know, I went and I had, uh, I had, I bought some chocolates and then I was eating a chocolate and I said, I'm just going to have one more chocolate. And wouldn't you know it? I ate all the chocolates. I'm such an alcoholic. And it's just like, <laughs> bro, you, it sounds like a chocoholic. I don't Why are you talking about that in an AA meeting? Like, that's, that's chocoholism is down the hall. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that thing of like, I'm going to blame character defects on alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is, you know, unmanageability, there's like 266 other 12 step programs out there. <laughs> GSO stop counting, right? But they also have unmanageability uh, right. in their step one, right? And the character defects are a lot of the discomfort in my life that create this restless, irritable, and discontent, or that make my life completely unmanageable. Yeah. So have you have you had the experience of like having to directly tell somebody when you've like qualified with them? Okay. So the whole impetus of this question is like, so if If anybody who's like suffering at any given moment can probably identify with that page 52 stuff, the bedevilments, the spiritual malady stuff, I kind of use that as a shorthand for the spiritual malady side of stuff because it's kind of like a good overview. Um, But like, have you ever had the experience where you're qualifying somebody in step one and they're just not qualifying as an addict or alcoholic? And but they're super duper qualifying with spiritual malady stuff, and you just have to be like, well, maybe find a fellowship that's right for you, or or a therapist, exactly, <laughs> yeah. or a Absolutely. yoga studio. Yeah, because like, because I because I might be spoiling a future opportunity, and I'm certainly 
not helping a real alcoholic by pushing this guy to do the steps, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why the success rate is noted as so low is people go to rehab. They hear about these things in the spiritual malady. And a lot of people in life have the spiritual malady. Yeah. But the question is, do they have, you know, my humanness? Yeah, I drank to cover up my humanness. I didn't like the imperfection of it. So I, I drank over defects, but that's not what makes me an alcoholic, right? It's that I have an allergy and an inability to leave it alone. I don't mm-hmm. know when I pick up if I'm going to have three or 33. Mm-hmm. And then when I try to leave it alone, I'm unable to leave it alone. But the character defects, definitely manifestations of self, definitely drive me to the unmanageability and bring me to all those bedevilments on page 52. Yeah, for sure. Well, and a word that you, when you first started talking about this, Liz, was uh, you said awareness or, you know, becoming aware of it. I, For me, it was like I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, but I wasn't completely defeated. And so my my desire, not my desire, but like um, my need to, to, to be aware of those defects wasn't as great until alcohol and drugs had stripped me of every belief in my own ego right it's like until i was stripped of any uh idea left that i could do anything correctly like until i was until i was left as like a puddle on the ground of just like worthlessness and and just having no sense of direction was i even able to to be open-minded to seeing these types of things in a fourth and fifth step you know to even be open to the idea that um i might ask god to remove them because uh, and, uh, you know, as we've actually talked about before, is like these, a lot of these things that I'm asking to re- be removed are the things that were propelling me through life. These are the things that I was relying upon mm-hmm. to survive, mm-hmm. you know? And so to now be how you tell somebody who's surviving upon their lying and their ability to manipulate that they're not going to need that or that they're going to ask this thing to remove it. If that shit's still working for them, why would they ever ask for it to be removed? Yeah. And that's why the book makes it clear. I'm not here to convince anyone that they're alcoholic. Alcohol will do a fantastic job all by itself. Yep. So true. Liz, you want to go ahead and do your reading for step six and seven? Yeah. So I chose page 64 in the middle paragraph. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. So I go through this work in in four and five, and I I get to have a lot of knowledge in seeing how Liz shows up to life, and it doesn't look very pretty. And I really come out of four and five feeling like I have this desire to be good. Mm -hmm. And I also have this feeling as I've read the Fifth Step Promises, like, well, now I just feel kind of like a, a an asshole. You know, I'm a well-educated asshole now. Right. You know, and, and I do this work and my first sponsor takes me through and, and she has me list my like top 10 character defects and then write like their opposites and these priors and, and tells me to act as if. And I begin to think that I actually have the power mm. to work on these things myself. Um, And it becomes a really scary thing for me because as I try to work on these things myself, what ends up happening to me is I end up feeling this regret and this shame at night and this blaming myself as a person and I'm completely frustrated. Mm -hmm. God willing, I end up getting a new sponsor who retakes me through this work that I'm so thankful for because I am completely powerless over all these things. And I really have one character defect. And it's the manifestations of self. Mm -hmm. Self is my problem. Self causes all these other activators, such as one of the biggest ones for me is going to be fear. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in fear, fear shows up and makes me act contrary to these principles that I'm now trying to live up to. Mm -hmm. So I learn about these principles that I've committed to living by, and I'm learning that I'm powerless to live up to living by them without God's help. But what I do have out of four and five is I have the awareness awareness of those seven areas of self, that third column that I did in my fourth step, right? How does my self-esteem affect me? Well, I want you to see me a certain way or I feel really good about myself. So if you tell me anything that contradicts the way I feel about myself, one of my character defects is probably going to come out on you. Mm-hmm. It's like if you, I'll take it personally, if you say to me, hey, Liz, I hate your green hair, 
right? I don't believe that I have green hair, so I laugh at that. Mm-hmm. But if you say to me, hey, Liz, you put on 20 pounds in COVID, all of a sudden <laughs> my claws are going to come out and all my defects are going to probably react to you because I don't like what you said and I took it personally. And I see myself a certain way and I need you to see me a certain way, my pride. And therefore, the fear behind it is that what you think of me or how you should see me and that you're not seeing me that way and I need you to. So my defects are going to come out on you to try to get you to conform to my will Mm -hmm. or to tell you that you're wrong, right? Because I always have to be right. And I don't like having my feelings hurt because I act on how I feel rather than how God would have me be. Mm -hmm. So I get this huge amount of awareness on these fears, these old ideas. The result was nil until we let go of old ideas, right? So, for my mom, who's been a sewer point in, in, in my relationships all my life, when she says to me that she doesn't have the desire to live anymore and tells me that she owes $42,000 to the IRS and is blowing up my phone at work, my first instinct isn't to be compassionate, loving, kind. My first instinct isn't to find, hey, you know what? I've had financial insecurity, too. I know how that feels. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? I've been at an alcoholic bottomless pit in that dark hole, and I know how that feels like there's no light at the end of that tunnel. I don't go there first. My first thought is, how dare you interrupt my day and you caused your own mess? <laughs> but I invite God into it, hopefully, before I react to her. To have a realization that he, I have a program and I have 12 steps and a sponsor to work these things out. But how does God want me to be to show up to my mom, to be loving, compassionate, kind, forgiving, mm. merciful? On my own power, I am mm. not those things. Yeah. On my own power, I cannot get into my car with the Jersey Shore here and drive down the road with all the New Yorkers coming down and be nice and kind and loving and <laughs> let that person cut, off, cut me off. And that's why 10 and 11 really comes into the work that I do here. Mm -hmm. And it's also like a recommitment of that third step, right? That third step to say, am I really willing to turn all my my life, my will over to the care of God so that I can be useful to others of thy power, thy love, thy way of life? You know, the whole goal is I can't do it on my own. God, help me. Show me the way you'd have me be. Show me the principles you want me to live by. But I need your help. The only responsibility I have on my end is to watch, right? Watch is the big word that we use in the 10 step. Watch, turn, ask, ask God to help me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that you're talking about 10 and 11 there because like this, the, the 60s in the book with this huge focus on self and the parts of self that are blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit, you know, this awesome language they use. Um, all that stuff can sound sound like so hoity toity and weird and like irrelevant to a lot of people who are like, dude, I just don't want to shoot heroin anymore. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I've if I've done a good job in one and two, qualifying somebody, and then showing them that like literally none of the worksheets and the well, you know, what is my God going to be stuff that you wrote in treatment? Like you you don't even have to worry about it. All you got to do is say, am I willing, am I willing to look at something that could be an answer? And then I've really, really gone into step three with these guys and shown them what step three is about. There's at least um, a kernel of understanding when we go into four and five about like, this isn't about alcohol anymore. This is about what you just said, that back half of this third step prayer, like what am I really deciding to do? Am I really deciding? And we talked about this, I think on a, at least a couple episodes so far, am I really deciding like, okay, God, you get the booze and you get the heroin, you know, and like, uh, John's got the rest of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's not what I'm deciding. What I'm deciding is that like, there's this thing called self-reliance and then there's this thing called God reliance. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about the mid sixties in, in how it works is that like, it, it couldn't be more plain that the person that I've come to know myself as in step one and in, and in the reading in the sixties and step three is this person who like absolutely has no business 
living in self-reliance and being driven by fear. And at the same time, it's like this constant mindfuck loop around back to one where like, I can know that until the cows eat the cabbage, but it ain't fucking doing shit just knowing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, first things first, you two are so fucking smart. It makes me... You guys are so intelligent. Because I, I said the cows eat the cabbage? You guys, just <laughs> the way you guys just broke this shit down, it just, I feel less, I'm feeling very less than over here. That's and, your uh, ego. <laughs> and so this is a very apropos. So um, I love the, I love the reading that you picked. And I especially, and exactly what John was just saying, um, you know, this is one of those points in the book I'll bring sponsees to because I, it says being convinced that self uh, was what had defeated us. And I always point out, why doesn't it say alcohol? Mm-hmm. You know, why doesn't it say alcohol right there? Because if, again, if alcohol is my problem, then, you know, this should say being convinced that alcohol has defeated us, we're going to just not walk down uh, the liquor aisle in the grocery store yeah. and then problem solved. A podcast greater than yourself has been brought to you today by Subitex Records. Please check out subitexrecords.com for the latest hit by Casanova Gucci, 2G and Welcome Chip. I got 2G and a Welcome Chip. I got 2G and a Welcome Chip. I got 2G and a Welcome Chip. Oh, Hope Dealer. So here's the thing. Before I do my reading, I want to just, I want to do a little public service announcement. This is my Fred's PSA of the week. Um, and, uh, and so new segment. Just, new segment, Fred's PSA of the week. So just in case I have a feeling that most people who listen to this podcast up to this point are probably pretty into the book and like, but I hope that there's a few people, as I've said on a previous, I think it'll get put out before this one or maybe after i don't know um i said on a previous one like i hope you know some people may come to to scoff i hope they remain to pray like you know like silkworth said i hope that happens here too i hope people come to hate listen and stick around to learn something um but uh the reason why six says defects and seven says shortcomings is because bill didn't like to put words close to each other that were the same not because there's a difference between defects and shortcomings i just want to just make that little note there. Thank um, you. <laughs> I also I also often say that I have a feeling that at least 50 to 60% of the people actively in Alcoholics Anonymous have never actually read the book. They've never cracked it outside of maybe the occasional big book study they accidentally go into when they thought it was a discussion meeting. And so I'm actually going to read from page 76. Cool. Yeah. Starting at the top of the page. So... If we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. When ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. So that, I, I wasn't timing myself, but I'm pretty sure I just made, <laughs> I just did two steps in the matter of about 42 seconds. Um, I love these directions because they're so fucking clear. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so clear and they're so beautifully written. Um you know, the last line, if we still cling to them, if we still cling to something we won't let go, we ask God to help us be willing. I don't think they mean hard stop. I think that's an Mm-mm. ongoing process. I think that does, I don't think that means like, okay, now I'm, well, geez, you know, I still kind of want to be a jerk. So I'm going to, I'm going to wait and be, I'm going to wait until God lets me be willing, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I think you just keep going to seven. And then as you go, you just keep being like, okay, you can have all this shit, but I'm going to like, hold, I, but we'll talk about it later, God, but we'll just keep going. Um, but then the line that really jumped out to me today when I was reading it was, um, grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the next line is, uh, the next is we need more action. The next line in the book is we need more. A- this This is about doing this thing so I can be useful to God. And 
the word that I liked was bidding because it means to to go out and follow orders. Yeah. So then the question always comes back and it comes back to a an area of the book that you guys were discussing, uh, which is back in the 60s, early 60s, where it talks about the way that I should position myself to God. It talks about how I have a new employer. Yeah. And one thing that my sponsor had me do was to write down my job description. And so my job description is to um, build a relationship with God through work and self-sacrifice for others. Mm-hmm. So how do I... So grant me strength as i go out here to have to work and and be self-sacrificing for you in whatever way that looks like you know um i know that's getting into like 12 but to me six and seven are activated by the later steps for just like three you know um uh, my third step experience at you know however many years i'm sober today is much different than it was at 32 days or whatever it was when I did a third step, right? My sixth and seventh uh, step experience, my relationship to those steps looks much different. You know, just because I've done it doesn't mean I don't constantly refer back to them. I just refer back to them through a different lens, yeah. you know? Um, but always with the idea, not because I want to be more comfortable, not because I want something for me. It's because I want to be more useful to God because this crazy fucking thing happens that... When I'm useful to God, when I walk into a room, I do sense that humility like Liz was talking about. Because for me, humility is the recognition that I'm equal. And I always like to joke around, if you ever want to test how humble you are, go ride the city bus. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Tell me you're not greater than or less than every motherfucker on the bus. Yeah. When you can sit on the city bus and be like, I'm equal to all of these fools, <laughs> you are one humble motherfucker. Right. You know, humility, removing defects, and not drinking alcohol are things I don't do. Right. I don't give myself humility. No. I don't remove defects and I don't not drink. Mm-hmm. These are all things that God does. And so the more I'm useful to God, the more this shit flows in, the more that power feeds me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, you know, as that's why I don't spend a lot of time on these particular steps. I, cause that last line tells me my whole job, you want these defects removed. Just be willing to have it be done and now go fucking work for God and God will remove them. The second he doesn't need them anymore, they'll be fucking gone. Yep. I like the line in the book. I'm going to share one more line from it where it's in Bill's story and it says, I ruthlessly faced my sins Mm -hmm. and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away root and branch. Yeah. And for me, a lot of my character defects, you know, you can pull off the stem of the plant, but until I really, truly, humbly ask God to take the root and branch and all, to truly, humbly do it, right? Root and branch, not just pull it off so that I can gossip and and judge and, and, and whatever I feel like it, right? But it's also about, you know, six and seven for me, in the beginning, I felt like, I was getting ambushed and I just made a post today about this. I wish I could get a phone call like five minutes before my mom blows up my phone at work until I, you know, obsessively until I answer it. Right. <laughs> I wish I knew that that was coming, but that's not how, how life works. And for everybody has to adapt and let life live us. And I learn how to adapt and ask God to show up in that time as he would have me be. But that's not something new. That character defect that's been enacted in, in that wants to pop out for me to react to another one of God's kids isn't something new where I just got ambushed by it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that's continual over and over again. So this is why I have 10 and 11 in my life so that I continue to watch for these things. I should be paying attention to them so that I can humbly ask God to remove them. It's about that humility to be aware of what my shortcomings are for the humility. God sometimes uses people like sandpaper on me to rough out these edges, to show me where I need to smooth them over because this is not going to show up the way God would have me be on my own power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, I think a huge, huge, huge service that, uh, we as recover people, can and almost 
always have to do for a lot of this is just demystification. Just bottom line, I'm going to demystify this for you because there's been 80 years of people throwing in their own gobbledygook and spooky shit, and some of it has become laughably not even an imitation of what the book tells us to do. And so in that endeavor, part of that is like, okay, let's demystify step six and seven. For the crowd who, you know, and and I'm not, like Fred said, like I don't want to shit on these people, but like for the crowd of the mindset of like, I'm going to go with all my my sober trinkets. <laughs> I'm going to go to, you know, it's a step six and seven conference all weekend. And you know what I mean? Like, dude, if you've got nothing else going on in your life and you enjoy that socially, fucking rock on, dude. That's awesome. I'm not... I'm not interested in doing that, but um, maybe you get some useful stuff out of that. I don't know. Um, ultimately, though, I feel like it's there's no argument to be made that I need to get any more complicated than the book with step six and seven when I'm taking someone through step six and seven, right? If And, and if I want to go do a Buddhist retreat just about six and seven, and I want to go read the 12 and 12 and have a 12 and 12 discussion about six and seven groovy dude if i'm doing that with somebody brand new who's trying to recover right i am doing that person a disservice and yeah that's my opinion but i also think the book makes it pretty clear that that's just how it is you know Mm -hmm. so like with this demystification thing we have this tendency to kind of um idolize the early guys and kind of talk and think about them as if they're like a perfect example is the opening description of Dr. Bob's nightmare where it says he sponsored 5,000 men and women. A man can't sponsor women. Oh, well, Dr. Bob could do it because he's fucking Superman. He's a, you know, he's a, a myth. You know, it was just like, well, why did Dr. Bob do it? I, I don't know. But men can't do that. Like I, and it's just a, it's a classic example to me. It's like, let's de- demystify this because in like so what would the problem be there okay well uh, the first thing people like to point at is the fifth step you know like cool well if you're doing the fifth step out of the book like i don't really see a problem you're talking about people how you've treated people your relationship with people demystification i think is the number one thing here to get the point across that these are directions and to fred's point about there not being there's not an inch gap of of no print in the book between the top of page 76 and the next paragraph with the seven step prayer for a reason, because when you're putting an Ikea dresser together, you went to Ikea and you bought a splurgen, you know, and you're going to put your splurgen together and you got the little crappy Allen wrenches they give you and stuff. And it gets to the part where it's like, now do the, the nuts into this part and then get your drawers together, set the drawers up. You just go on to the next direction. You don't sit there and wait on that one. You know, it was like, you know, it, they, they listed it like that because they didn't think it needed to be said. Yeah. Continue the directions, <laughs> and, which, which something that, that Liz hit earlier that always hits home with me is is on page 60. So what we've said is, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly mm. followed our path. We've rarely seen that happen, right? And then immediately after that, it's going to say on 59, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. It's going to list the steps, and immediately after, it's going to say, no one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these mm-hmm. principles. Now, that is also in need of demystification. Let's look at plain, simple English, right? Mm-hmm. If, we're, if we're just talking, we're just two people talking. What I, just, what I just read says no one can maintain perfect adherence to this, right? But again, circling back to this idea of being entirely rid of self, like this power is immeasurable this is an infinite power i can start chinking away at the gold in the mine and it it will never end it will never end and so the more effort i put into pursuing a connection with that power perfecting my spiritual awakening the more i'm gonna get in that area right and so no i can't maintain perfect adherence but on occasion oh 
chef's kiss. The right. the occasional like like I had a, I had an eleven step uh, last night my review, and I I was writing that thing and I was like, I fucking packed into the stream of life today, dude. I you fucking packed. I was mm -hmm. packing, and like yeah, dude. That felt like pretty fucking perfect adherence to these spiritual principles, you know? Nice. And that wasn't me sitting around fucking, you know, lifting weights to do that. That was me taking my hand off the wheel and being mm. like, oh, okay, I'll just do that. And now I'll do this. And now I'll do that. And then just letting the thing lead me instead of mm -hmm. trying on my power to do what I think people need me to be. So I'll, I'll share with you, my first sponsor used to make me send her my 11-step my nightly review questions. And, and the next morning, the conversation was always around how I could have done better. Mm. And, and, and it was not a constructive review. It was like her idea. Of <laughs> yeah, right? Wow. So what ends up happening to someone like me is not that it's her fault, right? Because victims don't stay sober in here. You know, I could have gotten another sponsor right away. But I end up taking a bat to myself. And eventually, if I take that bat to myself long enough, I'm going to use that same bat on myself on somebody else. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe three days from now. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. But this new sponsor and going through six and seven has really been about accepting my human. I'm a broken human being. I, I'm, I love the book spirituality of imperfection. Mm. I can't blame myself and I can't blame others. I was getting into that cycle of angst about having to call her the next day. Um, that restless, irritable discontent crap crop back into my life. I just, Felt like, you know, again, that reverse pride of I'm the biggest piece of shit that there is. Mm -hmm. And that's not how God wants me to be. My 11-step inventory reconnects me to where God was working in my life or where he wasn't with these steps. And 10 and 11, again, was such an eye-opener for 6 and 7 for me. Um, but I'll read a quick one from Spirituality of Imperfection. Spirituality begins with the acceptance of our fractured being. Our imperfection simply is this. There is no one to blame for our errors, neither ourselves, nor anyone, nor anything else. Spirituality helps us first to see and then to understand and eventually to accept that imperfection that lies at the core of our human being. Six, the awareness that I'm imperfectly flawed. I, I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to be as God would have me be all the time. And to not beat the crap out of myself for doing that. Mm -hmm. And not to go, I'm going to be a better person tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's to just be aware. And that awareness crops into my next day when I do that nightly inventory. Yep. That awareness when in 10, when I'm in judgment of somebody and I can't get over it. Yeah. Now it's turning into a resentment that I look at these things, these seven areas of that, that self that it affects to see, hmm, the problem is me. But I'm not going to beat the crap out of myself anymore for doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to ask God to help intervene and help me be who he would have me be. And I'm not going to do it all the time. And I'm certainly not always going to hear God loud enough either because self crops in and is really strong and that ego wants to defend me. So when somebody tells me they have a resentment against me, I think, how dare you? And mm -hmm. I go off the charts and I, I write it out and I see that, you know, maybe she's immature and the realization that I've been immature too, but I still got that little defect working its way in my head, judging her and nursing and feeding and stroking that wellness grudge, mm -hmm. right? But I have to keep staying willing to ask God to take that from me. Because again, it's on God's terms. I have, uh, I have some sponsees who send me their, their nightly reviews. And I think they, they do it mostly because of um, it's, it's, it's like uh, holds them accountable. And I had one who recently called, and he's been sending it to me for a while and he's like, um, so you ever gonna you're gonna say anything about these uh, inventories I'm sending you? <laughs> and I'm like, Well, dude, it's not me that you need to hear from, it's God, right? Like, if I see something in there that I think you need me to talk to you about, I'll do it. But like up to this point, I just see normal shit. Like, we you don't need to hear from me on this stuff. Are you connecting with God on it? And um, you know, this is one of those, it's one of those directions in a recipe i don't have to understand how or why it works for it to work i just have to do the thing um you know i love the example of like um you can buy a DiGiorno pizza you can bring it home you can 
put the oven to 350 and put that thing in and you can stand in front of that oven and tell it it's not going to bake until it doesn't have the power to bake that pizza. It's not <laughs> going to heat up enough. It's not going to do its job. It sucks. You can do that for the entire 13 minutes that it's cooking and 13 minutes later, you're pulling out a fucking pizza and it's going <laughs> to be cooked. And I don't care what you, you know, so if you just do this, these things, that awareness is just going to show up in your life. Yeah. God is just going to show up in your life. Um, you know, and the thing that John read directly followed that we are not saints. Right. Um, and I don't think God wants us to be right. I don't think a lot of what I see in my sponsees continual inventories is they, they don't think that God is going to provide the thing, whatever it is, the next thing, right? Like yeah. the girl, the job, whatever it is that they've recently decided is the thing they need to get to that next level. They don't think God's going to provide it. And my answer is always like, one, do you really think God's sitting around thinking about wh what your next girlfriend's going to look like? And because no, the answer is no. Um, and two, uh, do you really think that your higher power doesn't want you to be living a full, beautiful life with all the things that would make it wonderful? Of course, like, I don't think God wants you in the gutter alone broke. You know what I mean? I don't, I know we say that in that prayer um you know like no even if i'm in the gutter i'll fucking still do your thing I, but i don't think that's what god wants i don't think god wants you alone destitute i think god wants you living this incredible full life as a human being failing making mistakes erring and all that stuff you know and and um and i think not getting hung up on this step is so important it's just do the fucking thing put the chocolate chips in and then put them in the oven. That's it. <laughs> like, that's all we're doing here, you know? And, uh, I promise you the, um, whatever your, whatever the direction is in six and seven, the next two way more fucking important. <laughs> yeah. No shit. So a podcast greater than yourself has been brought to you today by Subitex records. Don't forget to check out the latest hit from Portia Zanny called You Might Have Douched With My Dope. Mine's on 62. Oh, all right. So uh, there's an obvious heavy hitter on 62. First full I, paragraph. That's like... Selfishness, self-centeredness. Yeah, I mean, I could... Yeah. I could, like... That's where I thought you were about to go. Yeah, no, I, I could... Uh, I think we have to do a whole episode just on that one. And it's got to have like 15 different interviews in it. So um, second full paragraph, third sentence. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. I think that there's one of the most overlooked little lines in that reading that uh, is so underrepresented in what um, in what the program actually offers us, and it's this line of there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. So in this in this area in the early '60s in the in that chapter, they're talking about you know the real problem is that self blocks me from usefulness it blocks me from harmony it blocks me from being helpful and feeling um the stuff i'm going to start feeling in the ninth and ten step promises and this little line right here i feel like is such a, a weirdly overlooked promise in itself because it says without god there's no way of entirely getting rid of self implying that you can entirely be rid of self mm -hmm. that's what's implied there and 
I feel like the uh, the bulk of dialogue that I hear a lot of times around self and around character defects and around six and seven is that I am doomed to live a life of slavery to the 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 humanness that blocks me from living a happy successful life and this line and many other in the book promises me that freedom is attainable through access to a power greater than myself Mm -hmm. and it goes on to say in that paragraph that like slow down bud you don't get there wishing for it Mm. it doesn't happen because you want it it happens because you do this stuff that we're about to tell you how to do and that's it and the fact that it's like so um like you could get really esoteric on that paragraph and on that whole section but the fact that it's like such a lofty promise when you really think about it followed by such a simply executed list of things to do hmm. it's just it, it's it's the 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 overall arcing concept of like simple but not easy you know this is stuff you cannot accomplish for yourself however it can be accomplished do this you'll get that you know and i think it's beautiful it's beautiful beautiful page it's probably my favorite page in the book 62 yeah i love it um Again, I really thought that I could will my way into being less selfish. And I had a sponsor constantly telling me I'm selfish and self-centered. And what I've learned is through having a new sponsor is that I have the ability to act selfish and self-centered. But that is not my behavior 24-7 because I've worked a program of action in which I try to obtain conscious contact with God. Now, that's nearly impossible for me every day in every minute. But when I'm consciously con- in contact with God and I'm able to do, see, act, and feel as God would have me, I have these glimpses, these big islands of peace in my life because I'm not showing up with self, because God has stepped in because I've invited him in and he's given me a level of serenity in the midst of calamity to be able to show up as he would have me be. So I love it when people, especially newcomers, you know, they, they think that, you know, they're going to be selfish and self-centered for the rest of their life and it's mm-hmm. not going to be any fun. And then especially when newcomers say like they don't feel enough, I just want to tell them the truth. You're not enough. You'll never be enough mm-hmm. without God's help. You need God. Mm-hmm. And it's in finding God that there will be wholeness. Yeah. So there's a treatment center that I go to and uh, there's a big like mural and it sits basically right behind where I sit at this treatment center uh, on the wall. And it says, I I am enough. (laughs) It says, I am enough. And it almost weekly, I go in there and I turn around and I point to that and I go, "Uh, you're fucking not just so you know, (laughs) FYI, if you're a real alcoholic, that sign is lying to you. You're not enough. Um, I, I love this. I love this paragraph as well. And, and neither could we reduce our self-centered as much by wishing or trying, um, who, anybody relate to wishing or trying, uh, to reduce your own self-centeredness. Um, this is, um, the separation between, I'm going to call these people the power crowd. Um, these are the people who believe that, um, we can just not drink and go to meetings, right? Mm -hmm. That somehow if I just try hard enough, I will somehow, if I just collect enough coins, um, if I just sit in the rooms long enough, oh, hearing your story really illuminates why I shouldn't drink, you know, like, um, my own pain couldn't keep me from drinking my own (laughs) wife's tears and my own children's tears couldn't, but hearing about your bullshit's really gonna, that really makes it. So I don't feel the need to drink today. Thank fucking God for this. Um, and so this is what separates the power crowd, right? This is where people who get confused with who feel the need to go to six and seven workshops. And I've never been to one. I actually didn't want to make that joke, but, um, maybe they like to carry around, drop the rock. I don't know, but I'm just saying, um, you know, like if I don't have the power to not drink, then why would I think what kind of egotistical maniac would I be to think that I have the power to change myself? Mm -hmm. Like all I've done my entire life is lay in bed at night and wish that I was not who I was. All of a sudden I'm going to get to AA and that's going to now work. It hasn't worked. 
yet, but now I'm going to be an Alcoholics Anonymous and this room is some, I'm going to go to this room once a day and they're going to like somehow every night now when I sit at home and I lay in bed and I, and I think about what a piece of shit I am and how I just wish I was just a little different. I look different. I sound different. Now it's going to click into place. Doesn't make any sense. You know, um, you know, you go to meetings and you hear like, oh, just do the next right thing. Like, well, who's the judge of what is right? Is it me? Because I've just discovered that I suck at being the judge of anything in my own life. And, and you know, you guys have already have already said it so well, but, you know, this is all about tapping this power, which is going to remove these things when they're not useful to the power. Mm-hmm. You know, who am I to decide what's useful to God? For me, six and seven is about recognizing that I am not always the main character in the book. Yeah. You know, that sometimes I'm just some asshole on page 75 who gets brushed by to move the story forward, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not all about me. Sometimes I'm just, I'm just the daughter who got annoyed because the mom called in a trying time. And maybe the mom turned to the person who actually had the answer. Maybe I needed to be annoyed in that moment. Who am I to judge? Now at night I'll write about it and I'll try to do better. The next time I'll try to access the power, but at the it's also about letting go of the results, right? It's about letting go yep. of like, I was a shitty person today. Tomorrow I'm going to try better, but maybe God needed me to be a shitty person today. You know? And that's why the whole constructively review my day. Right. In 11 at night. And I'll just add to that. The beauty of the seven step prior is that Liz doesn't get to decide what spirituality looks like and what character defects mm-hmm. are going to get removed from her. Right. Mm-hmm. Come out of four and five, clearly knowing I got some issues. But it says good and bad, right? I pray that you now remove from me every single defective character which stands in the way of my uselessness. I don't decide what those are. God does. Mm -hmm. So that ties back into what you said, Fred. And that's the beautiful thing is I'm not in control of any of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two things that come to mind for me. So firstly, I love, um, and I, I hope I'm not stepping on Fred's reading, but I love the simplicity of the six and seven directions in the book, because to me, there's no room for confusion. Um, If I'm following the directions that are in the book, I review the first five steps. I ask if I've left anything out. Like, do I really think I'm an alcoholic? I think, I think the step six directions that start on 75, I think it's a lot less about, well, I didn't tell you about the goat that I blew. Like, I think it's a lot less about that, which everybody likes. <laughs> that was to, one. That was one happy goat. Everybody, everybody likes to make it about that. I think it's a lot less about that than it is about. Do I really feel like I've made this decision to to mm-hmm. do this? Do right. I really feel like I have smashed the delusion that I can drink like other people? Have I left Absolutely. anything out of the first five proposals? So it's not just the goat I blew. It's all the other stuff. And I love that when you get to 76, it's like, okay, we see a, we've got a, a bunch of stuff here that we have deemed objectionable, like you just said, Liz. We've said, yeah, I think this is objectionable. A God might be like, I'm going to let you sit with that because in a couple years, you're going to meet somebody and you're going to be maybe three weeks past that issue and mm-hmm. they're going to be knee deep in it like you are right now. And you're going to be able to, hey, hey, brother, let's fucking hop on. Mm-hmm. Let's do it, dude. And and what it says is not, if I'm not ready, if I'm not willing to let go of, firstly, like you've said that they're objectionable, I don't know why you wouldn't want to get rid of them if they're if you think they're objectionable but it doesn't tell you to hang out it says if we're not willing we ask for willingness then we say the prayer you know it's like Mm -hmm. you keep moving and i love how simple that is and the second thing that came to mind was this thing that that fred said um so many of the like platitudes and aphorisms that you hear repeated ad ad infinitum just like like this uh do the next right thing you know they're so incredibly uh useful in a certain context and they're almost always heard i feel in exactly the wrong context where it's like somebody walks in the door and you go hey just do the next right thing and i don't know i i I don't know about you guys i i've never encountered someone walking into an aa meeting who has like a light bulb moment when you say that because they have very purposely been making the wrong decision 
every step of the way and oh, you just you just flipped on the light it's like a genesis moment and they're like holy shit my whole life i've been purposefully going well that would be the wrong decision i'm doing that i've never fucking met that dude so Maybe. i should just do the right thing okay so wait so what you're saying is, you know and it's the same shit as like just don't drink it's like you, oh. you yeah so, oh oh wait wait to, okay, so to not drink, you fucking son of a drink. bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, but I think it is useful in that like same sense of like watch, pause, ask. Mm. I think it's useful in that sense as a recovered person for me to be like, God, I'm doubtful. What's the next right thing for me to do? What's right in front of me? Just like we're, we've said in a couple now, uh, sponsor the guy in front of you. Like, what's right in front of me? What mm-hmm. is the next thing for me to do, you know? And that that's, I think, a good context for that. And I think the other context, maybe not so much. I want to be this person that doesn't size people up when I walk into a room. Mm. I want to be this person that can just exude love and tolerance to everyone. Why is it that when I walk into a room, I feel like everyone's judging me as not enough? Why is it that I think you're judging me the way that I judge me, hmm. right? Judgment is a big one and I didn't want to give it up for a little while and it still crops in every now and then. And it's this old notion that I feel that by putting you down, I'll lift myself up. Mm-hmm. And that's what the ego tells me. The ego is a set of defenses to make me feel good and pleasurable about myself, which is a lot of what these character defects are, is seeking this pleasure to give me more than my fair share, to give me overserved, to make me feel good about me. Mm-hmm. And I will pay for it at any cost. And today, what I had to do is, is not only invite God in, but I had to find them objectionable, and they had to get really painful first. Because the noise in my head when I got home was the pain that I needed. It wasn't that I caused damage. It was me thinking, well, you know what? Nobody really knows that I'm judging them because I'm just doing it in my head. So is that really a character defect? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. And then I would say to God, well, well, why aren't you removing this stuff? Why do I have this stuff? If I ultimately love you and I'm trying to perform your work well and stay close to you, why, why aren't you taking that from me? And again, that's an instance where God has said, you know, maybe you need to feel enough pain from that, but better yet, Maybe that's the reason why you draw close to me. Maybe if I took that away from you, you wouldn't seek me so much. Mm. Maybe that's the thing that I want you to have so that you continue to seek me. Yeah, I think comfort seeking is is a huge thing for, I mean, most people, most alcoholics, right? So, like, ultimately, like, when I look at that, that uh, fear inventory and I say, okay, why do I have this fear? Like, how is how self-reliance failing me here, right? Well, almost always, I'm afraid of, like, not getting something that makes me comfortable or, like, losing some some sense of comfort I have. It's, it's almost always boiling down to comfort-seeking, which is, like, a fear. You know, there's, like, there's, there's just fear at its core. So before I forget, you do run a hilarious Instagram recovery meme page, if you want to plug that real quick. Recovery.sister164. Cool. So hit her up. That's kind of how we met, right? It's definitely how I met you. A meeting. Um, (laughs) So, uh, okay. 12 questions with. I'm actually, uh, John, sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. What does the 164 represent there? (laughs) 164 pages in the book where the 12 steps and the principles are found. Oh, not okay. the stories, huh. <laughs> not the other literature. So you don't count the doctor's opinion. Okay, fine. <laughs> I kn- <laughs> Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Uh, 12 questions with our friend Liz. Question one. How many people have you sponsored? Three. How long did it take you to do the steps? Three months. Nice. Uh, how how many stories have you read from the back of the book? Because of so many meetings, probably all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like only in meetings you've read them? So in the beginning, my sponsor would tell me when I can't sleep, go go read the stories in the back of the big book. And, and I really never finished one because I would fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're natural ambient. Yeah. 
I was going to say, I couldn't think of the sleep medication. <laughs> I've never really been into sleep medications, so I couldn't think of a good one. You know, I was like, is Seroquil? Come, come to me. I remember here, Seroquil. Come to me if you need that. I'm... <laughs> Now I tell my sponsees the same thing. It works like a charm. I just only buy my sponsees books that don't have the story so, so as not to confuse them. The abridged version, smart. <laughs> All right. Um, when did you feel the nearness of your creator? After five or right about five, I felt something. So After nine, easy. I really knew that there was a, a creator and, and had full faith because I had to trust a lot in God just to do nine. Hell yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Okay. What is your least favorite AA slogan and why? Think, think, think. Because I, it's some computer Apple thing that somebody put in the wall back in like the 50s. And there's so many different versions of what it means. And it's not found in any of our literature. Yeah, I've always wondered where that came from. <laughs> so weird. It was on the... It was, And then have you seen it when they take it and they turn it upside down? Upside down thinking. I've heard your first thought is wrong. Your second thought is wrong. Maybe your first, third thought will be right. It's, a, it's an old IBM slogan. It's like, it's just only for people who haven't made it to step 11. I always thought like it made sense if it was like, I always thought like that it was in the 12 and 12 in like the 10th step, you know, and like, because it, it made sense like, oh, well, now you can bring your thinking back on or something. Um, but I just, and it was, I spoke at that meeting on Saturday night and there it was up on the yep. wall, upside down. In one and of those I, where it's like a white page with black and red. Yeah, it was like, like, well, they had all the gothic writing. Or all, yeah, it, all the like a, typical yeah, slogans yeah. that you see. And I just, I was like, I thought while I was staring at it, I was like, I, I almost made a joke about it, but I try not to shit on the yeah. meeting places that well, I, go I just, to well, because that was a clubhouse. Of course they have those. But I just always wonder, like, did somebody in like fucking 1978 just like decide, okay, every fucking AA clubhouse has to have these little tiny, like, you know, Walmart picture frames with a white piece of paper with like playing card writing that says slogans on it? You know, it's like, <laughs> what are you, what are you, it's like weird, crappy motel logo writing. I went to a meeting once and then somebody spoke up and said, do you know why those signs are in order? Live easy or live and let live. Easy does it. Uh, but for the grace of God, think, think, think. First things first. If you take the first word out of each of those five slogans, it says live easy, but think first. So somebody told me that they had to put the think, think, think sign in there just so that they could have those five <laughs> slogans make another slogan in this. Oh my God, we're so it's the we're so addicted to life. slogans. God, that's bad. no wonder people think we're a fucking cult. <laughs> you know, that's some cult shit or, right or there. Or just dumb shits. God, God, that's um, really weird. My question is, when did you get initiated into our cult? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, my question is, have you thanked the leader today? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, have you heard a fifth step that did not include weird sex stuff? Yes. There you go. Yeah, that's there's several yeses. It's I know. Okay, two-parter. Do you remember your first meeting? What was it like? I was drunk and high, and everybody was dressed. They were dressed in a tie and a collared shirt, and I was really intimidated because they were dressed so nicely and started that ego separation automatically, but felt I had to go in there because I had been accountable to someone that I would go. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Um, outside of uh, meeting with sponsees or preparing to meet with sponsees, how much time have you spent studying the book? <laughs> a, a lot. I mean, big book studies are my, are my favorite. That's where the solution is at. So I probably go to three different meetings that are in the big book a, a week. Mm. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm in 10 and 11. I mean, quite frankly, I don't have to read it anymore. I probably know it so well. But still, it's nice to open those pages. And I'm always bringing my, you know, somebody through it. Somebody calls me with something. And I'm like, you know, the things that I offer are experience, literature, and prayer. You know, I don't feed into the drama. So I'm going to, a lot of the times, I'm bringing you to the book. Mm. Hell yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Here it is. <laughs> okay. Fuck, marry, kill. <laughs> so you got to, do you understand this? You know this. No. You don't know what the this concept? is? Uh -uh. Okay. So you got to fuck one, you got to marry one, and you got to kill one. 
Okay. Okay. I remember I asked permission to ask this. <laughs> I like that you made sure to get that in the recording. <laughs> <laughs> Informed, expressed consent. Okay. Yeah. So. Digital signature. You get the concept of the question. Okay. Yeah. So here, here's your three. Dr. Silkworth, Bill Wilson, Dr. Bob. Fuck Bill. <laughs> I'm, I'm with Mary you. Dr. He had a lot of practice. He was probably. Mary Dr. Suckworth. Kill Bob. Oh, God. Oof. Oof. Fucking knife to the heart. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Guess we don't need to ask the follow up question. That hurts. <laughs> wow. I was, not expecting that. <laughs> I was not expecting that. But honestly, I feel like out of all three of those, Bill fucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that guy fucks. <laughs> If those are your choices, mm -hmm. well, you know we're Bill's a little biased guy. in New Jersey because Bill, you know, wrote a lot of the the big book in New Jersey, right? So he was a Jersey guy for a really long time. So it's not that we don't love Doctor Bob, but that's probably why my impulse was was for that. And also, Doctor Sookworth lived lives lived here too, and his grave is here. We just read mm -hmm. the doctor's opinion at his grave last week. So I'm a little biased towards those two right now. Cool. I get that. Huh? Yeah, I, it's a hard choice. It is. Once you get the fuck out of the way, it becomes a hard choice. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, okay. No, well, I use fuck as in literally. I would fuck Bill. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like my question is going to be anticlimactic, so I feel like you're going to have to like reverse the order and put that one last <laughs> in your editing process. Because my question is, um, so how many meetings do you attend every week? Three or four. Great. <laughs> Meanie makers make it. <laughs> no, my spiritual condition is dependent on 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 what I do each day, not on not on meetings. Mm -hmm. I love that answer. That's a great answer. Uh, so it's my last question. Okay, fuck Mary Kill. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's your idea of the perfect AA meeting? Like the perfect That's format. One where they keep it simple without reading a thousand things at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And they're 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 in the literature talking about the solution and people are sharing their experience that probably offers sponsorship mm. that has a greeter to at least identify who those newcomers are because that's the purpose of a meeting is is to identify, find and so that they can find us so that we can help them. Nice. The whole idea is to carry the message. What message? Not my message, the message in the book. Hell yeah. Hmm. Well said. Mm -hmm. How did your sponsor approach you? My first sponsor called me because I was broken enough to ask for help. And I knew from being 12 steps that I needed a sponsor. Uh, I also approached my second sponsor because she had this level of peace and calmness to her that I wasn't able to have in my life. It was like, she had this emotional calmness to her, and it was just something that I, I didn't know how to achieve. What I later would find out, and I would say to her, it was like, I see God in you. And she's like, you don't see God in me. What you see is a reflection of what's already in you. I was hoping you were going to say what I found out later was that she was just on tranquilizers. <laughs> <laughs> what I found out later was she reads one of the stories in the back of the book every hour <laughs> on the hour. <laughs> What I found out is she wants to be my life coach and my therapist. Right, exactly. Yeah. She's constantly in a state of half sleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> bonus question. How would you define 13th stepping? I think both people play a role in the 13th stepping. Mm -hmm. However, it's normally defined as uh, someone with a bit of time going after somebody with less time than them. However... You know, when we're simply abstinent, I think we're still a little more clear-headed than when we were drinking, that we're, we're able to make choices. And I think it's a choice on, on both people's parts. Right on. I like it. Cool. Very democratic of you. <laughs> <laughs> Not to rock the boat. <laughs> well, Liz, this was great. I Like I, like he said, I, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of editing. I think this is jam-packed. I'm so glad we got to do this. This is great. Yeah, keep up all the great work in New Jersey and uh, on uh, your meme page. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you both for having me. I hope you have a great night. You too. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening.